0: Brother Jim, I'm really looking forward to the Easter presentation because I've never seen lions dancing, (laughs) but it will be interesting. I want to thank each and every one of you for remembering our group of 20 in prayers as we returned, went to and returned from Israel. It was absolutely fantastic. The weather was perfect. We saw every sight we needed to see and, uh, We ended it up on such a positive note, so just thank you. It's good to be back, but it was such a blessing to be in Israel. We have a very, very busy week this week. Uh, Women, you need to remember that Tuesday at 12 noon, Trinity Women's Fellowship in the Fellowship Hall, Tuesday, this Tuesday, 12 noon, and also Thursday evening, our monthly fellowship dinner, Fellowship Hall, 5.30 p.m. And, of course, Tonight I'll be continuing on our series out of Mark. Tonight is going to be on the Lord of the Sabbath. And I'm looking forward to having you here this evening. And, of course, Wednesday we'll resume our study of 1 John. I'll be in the 5th chapter, verse 1 and following. So I'll look forward to seeing you at all these opportunities. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just thank you so much for this day that you've given us for the blessing that's ours in Jesus Christ. Lord God, we, we praise you for being the King of kings, the Lord of lords, for having uh, created us in your image, for creating us in a way that recognizes that we were, are never at, at peace until we have Jesus Christ in our heart. Father, we thank you for drawing us close to you through your only begotten son, Jesus. And I just pray that in the moments ahead, that through the study of the word, the worship of you, the proclamation of you through the song, that we will have drawn closer to you, Lord, that we can leave this building and say, truly, I have seen the Lord. For be with us now. May we honor you above all things. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.
1: and could do It's
2: Thank you, thank you. If you have your Bible today, we're in Philippians 4 5. If you could turn to that and look at it with me. I want to talk with you today about uh, being gentle. Are you gentle? Uh, That's what we're going to talk about. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Let me ask you a question Do you want to have more friends? Sure you do. Everybody wants to have more friends. It is a proven fact that you will live longer if you have a number of good friends. There have been all kinds of studies on that, and they all come out the same way. Years ago, Dale Carnegie wrote the number two best-selling book uh, for the century uh, entitled How to Win Friends and Influence People. You say, well, why did so many people buy that book? Because everyone wants to be liked by others. We all want friends. Proverbs eighteen twenty four says, A man who wants to have friends must show himself friendly. One of the most likable qualities is what the Bible calls gentleness. Gentleness is is very, very important in our lives. What is gentleness? Gentleness comes from a Greek word that means strength under control. It's a word that was used to describe a stallion that had been tamed. They would say it was gentle. A tamed stallion still, still had the same amount of power and energy as when it was wild, But now it could be controlled and made useful for its master. Contrary to popular belief, to be gentle does not mean that you're a wimp. There are two people in the Bible who are described as being gentle, Moses and Jesus. Now neither of them were anywhere near wimpishness. Uh, They were not wimps, that's for sure. Philippians 4.5 tells us to let our gentleness be evident to everybody, to all. Now, what does it mean to be gentle? It means to control your reaction to people. Today, I would like to suggest six ways that you can practice gentleness. I think this is real important. You know, you look at the paper every day and people are getting shot all over the world. People are getting beat up, mugged, raped, all kinds of that going on in the world. There needs to be a place where gentleness is promoted. And so this morning, we're going to promote that here. Number one, be understanding, not demanding. When somebody serves you, be understanding, not demanding. Now, let me ask you. How do you treat people when they serve you? How do you treat waitresses, waiters, clerks, secretaries, employees, bank tellers, others that serve you? Are you rude and demanding to them? I went out to eat with a guy a long time ago, and he was so rude to the waitress, I finally said, You are embarrassing me. You're being so rude to that person. of course, he didn't know it. He didn't think he was. He was wrong. Do you understand that they may have had a hard day? You know, we all have hard days, and maybe the waiter or waitress that you got was having a real hard day or some physical malady or some issue relationally or something like that. Do you only think of yourself first? The first way you can help develop gentleness is to work at it as you understand the people who serve you. Maybe you could even get to know them a little bit and become friends with them if you frequently go to that place. I've learned the way to get great service at a restaurant is to treat the waiter or waitress with respect. If you treat them better, They treat you better. If you're real rude, you really shouldn't eat the food that they bring you. (laughs) That's not good. It's amazing how much more helpful they are when you are considerate of their feelings. You might even get more dessert if uh, you do it that way. The first place, you can be gentle is at home. The Bible says that wives are to adorn themselves with a gentle and quiet spirit. 1 Peter 3, 4. Now that's more valuable than any clothes you can wear or any perfume that you can put on. Gentleness is an attractive attribute for any woman. The Bible says to husbands, husbands in the same way be considerate with your wives. Be considerate, not demanding toward her or him or toward people in general. All right, secondly, be gracious, not judgmental. When someone disappoints you, be gracious to them. Be gentle with them, not judgmental. Galatians 6.1 says, if someone is caught in sin... You who are spiritual should gently bring them back into the fold. Watch yourself, because you might be also tempted by what was tempting them. The temptation Paul is referring to in this passage may be the temptation to be judgmental, to be holier than thou. You know, I don't really like people that are holier than thou, do you? I really don't. It gets on my nerves. I think I told you this story. I, I hope it will be new for most of you. I pastored a church in Georgia, a lady in the church that was saying all the time, what we need to do is get down on our knees and our face on the floor and pray to God. She'd say that about everything. I mean everything. And uh, she said it every Wednesday night at prayer meeting. She said it in her Sunday school class every week. She said it to people as she was talking to them all the time, just over and over and over again. Well, I got tired of that. And so, you know, she said it on a particular Wednesday night, and I decided I'm going to do something about that. The next day, I was taking one of the staff members out. We were visiting some people, and. On the way, we went right by her house, and I said, let's go see her. I said, "Uh, when we get in there, I'm going to suggest that we get down on our knees and put our face on the floor and pray for the people that we're visiting. And he looked at me like I had lost my mind. And I said, now I want you to pray a long time. I'm going to pray a long time. I said, let's really do it up. And so we got in the house, and we talked a little while, and she said, well, we just ought to get down on our faces and put our face to the floor on our knees and just pray about it. And I said, well, let's do that. Let's do it right now. And she looked at me, You know, she kind of took a step back, and she looked at me, and she said, well, you know, I haven't cleaned my floor in a couple of days. <laughs> We probably shouldn't do that. I said, I think we should. You know, that wouldn't bother us. I think we ought to get down on our knees and put our face on the floor and pray. And she kept coming up with stuff why we shouldn't do that. And so finally I said, well, okay, let's just have a prayer. And so I prayed and we left. She never did that again. (laughs) I thought that was so great. Wonderful. That, it's wrong uh, to have that response as a Christian and to have that kind of a holier-than-thou attitude toward a brother or sister in Christ who is struggling with some sin. Let me ask you, what's your reaction to people when they really mess up their lives? Do you secretly think, well, I, I told you so, or I could see that coming? Do you say that? Or should we say, serves you right? Or could we say, how dumb that was to do that? Does it give you an inward sense of superiority to talk down to somebody like that? Jesus' reaction to the woman caught in the very act of adultery was full sensitivity. He defended her in front of other people. And then after the crowd had all left, he dealt with her privately about her sin. He was gracious and not judgmental. Why should we work at not being judgmental? Because that is the way Christ has treated us. If God puts up with our inconsistencies, In our weaknesses, we can learn to put up with others' shortcomings. Whenever you feel tempted to judge another person, pause to remember how much God has forgiven you. Number three, be tender without surrender. When someone disagrees with you, be tender with them about it. It's a fact of life that you're never going to be able to please some people. I've tried. Uh, it, it, you really can't please everybody. You'll learn that if you haven't already. You will always meet people who like to argue. They like it. They want to have a quarrel. They want to have a debate. They, that's who they are. They like that. They promote that. Some people will contradict everything that you say. You know, I guess it's to irritate you a lot, which it usually does. Well, how should you respond to these people? One of the tests of spiritual maturity is how you handle people who disagree with you. Some people have a need to devastate everyone that disagrees with them. If you challenge them, they respond perhaps with a full-blown personal attack. Then what do you do? Well, you have three alternatives. You can retreat in fear, you can react in anger, or you can respond in gentleness. Most people choose between retreating and reacting. Few know how to respond in gentleness. If you give in and retreat from fear, from argumentative people, you say, okay, have it your way. On the other hand, if you react in anger, you take the offensive and fight back every time somebody opposes you. Anger is usually a telltale sign that you feel very insecure. You are insecure and threatened by someone's disapproval. The third alternative, responding in gentleness, is the approach that God wants you to take to opposition. This kind of response requires a fine balance between maintaining your right to an opinion while equally respecting another's right to his or her opinion. It requires being tender without surrendering your convictions. George Patton once said, Never fight a battle when you won't gain anything by winning. That's really smart. We ought to think about that before we get into the next brawl. Do you ever fight those kind of battles in your marriage? Do you ever argue over meaningless things? Most of us do make that mistake. I've been to dinner parties where a couple would invite uh, my wife and I over, and something like this happens. One of them will start a story, and in the middle of the story, they'll be stopped by the other person and corrected. The other person will say, it wasn't Aunt Jane, it was Aunt Susie. Well, who cares? You know, who cares who who it was? Uh, We don't know either one of them anyway. What what difference does that make? You know, we want to be gentle. Gentleness is the ability to disagree agreeably. You can walk hand in hand with someone without seeing eye to eye. Writing to Timothy, Paul said, The Lord's servant, must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone. 2 Timothy 2.24. Paul is saying that gentleness is a qualification for spiritual leadership. Do you know what that is saying? It's saying that if I am a leader, if you are a leader in a group, in a class, in this and that, Uh, and I'm uh, there, I cannot be swept up into petty arguments. That's what it means. You and I are not to get involved in petty disagreements, in pointless conflicts. Just, Just stay away from that. Walk away from that. You don't need to be right in the middle of all of that. Number four is be teachable, not unreachable. When someone corrects you, be teachable, not unreachable. James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If you do the first two things, the third one naturally falls into place. If you are quick to listen, that is very good, by the way, and slow to answer back, that's very good then you're going to be slow to lose your temper, and that's the result that you want. If you want to be a gentle person, use your ears more than your mouth and be willing to accept correction. Now let me ask you husbands, when your wife comes to you and makes a suggestion, do you get defensive about it? Do you take every comment as a personal threat to your manhood? The Greek word, translated gentle, is sometimes meek. I don't like the word meekness because it rhymes with weakness. And people get it mixed up. People tend to equate meekness with weakness. It's like the wife who said to her husband, Are you a man or a mouse? Now speak up. Squeak up. (laughs) Let me tell you uh, how to end up life lonely. Let me tell you how to do that. Never admit any mistakes. Never learn from anyone. Never teach anybody anything. And never let them teach you anything. I guarantee you, you'll wind up being a very lonely and sad person. Nobody has all the answers. I don't, you don't, nobody does. So we must all keep on learning. My wife ran a home for girls for 37 years. We had the roughest, toughest, wildest girls from all over Florida and sometimes from even out of state. And different churches and different groups would come out and bring plenty of food for everybody. We had 25 girls, about six or seven staff, and they would come and bring food and they would do something fun with the girls. And it was really a ministry for all those different churches and groups. Well, Cindy did a smart thing. When somebody would bring out food and the food was absolutely delicious, Cindy would ask them their recipes. And she would get the lady to just sit down and write out the recipe. Well, guess what? She got about 100 different recipes that were absolutely delicious over those 37 years. I mean, it was really smart to do that when something was so good to get the recipe. Now, if you have a big blotch in one of your rugs or somewhere in your house, uh that's on something that uh, you just can't hardly stand it, but you've tried to get rid of it, and you couldn't get rid of it. Ask my wife. (laughs) She knows how to do that. It's amazing. She knows how to get up big spots out of rugs, or little spots. And, uh, you know, most people don't know how to do it. She does. Ask her. You know, you got to learn something along the way. I have learned so much. I've learned a lot of things. For many of you that are in the room right now, you've taught me a lot, and I appreciate it. And I'm going to try and remember it and use it for the rest of my life. We have to keep on learning. It's like the man who was a witness in court. And the bailiff said, Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? The man answered, Sir, if I knew the whole truth and nothing but the truth, I would be God. That's true. None of us have all the answers. Gentleness involves being willing to learn from others. Gentleness is also being willing to admit when you're wrong. You're just wrong, and you find out that you're wrong. How long has it been since you admitted to your spouse, Honey, I was wrong. It was my fault, and I'm sorry. How long has it been since you've said that? Some people haven't said that in 10 or 20 or 30 years. We need to say it every once in a while when that's the situation. Number five, be an actor, not a reactor. When someone at work stabs you in the back, what do you do? Do you pull out your big guns and react? Maybe you say, you make me so mad. You know, when you say that, it's exactly the wrong thing to say because that means that you are admitting that someone else is controlling your emotions, and you don't want that. That's not something you want. You are acknowledging that you're giving that person the power to determine your feelings and your reactions. Remember this. No one can take that control from you. You give it away the moment you start reacting in the wrong way. God's word tells us, do not repay evil for evil. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, Romans twelve seventeen. That's the power of action rather than reaction. To retaliate is to react, to forgive, is to act. The last one is be respectful. There's one last type of person with whom you should practice gentleness. It's unbelievers. We need to practice a lot of gentleness with them. Don't bang them over the head with something and and let them know that you know everything and they don't know anything. That's terrible. That kills your witness. When you witness to people, when you share your faith, don't reject them. People do need the good news, but our attitude sometimes can keep them from receiving it. Don't put them down. That doesn't mean that you approve of their lifestyle. That's not what it means. There's a difference between acceptance and approval. I can accept you as a person of worth without approving everything that you do. Now that's a distinction that we all ought to get in our mind and we all ought to use as we deal with folks that haven't yet found Jesus as their Savior. There are two ways to get an egg out of an eggshell. One way is to crack it open. The other way is to put it in a warm, loving environment and let it incubate and hatch itself. The second way, of course, preserves the baby chicken's life. while the first way kills the chicken. There are two goals, two ways to get the good news across to people. You can pound them over the head with it. That doesn't do it. Doesn't work that way. Or you can love them into the family of God. The most effective way to share the gospel with unbelievers is to surround them with love and warmth and and a smile or two along the way. With love and acceptance as you share the gospel, Makes all the difference in the world with that person. Be gentle. Be gentle with them. You know, the key to building churches is for the people that are at the church to be friendly. To care about the visitors. To meet them, greet them, make them feel at home, put your arm around them. Invite them to your Sunday school class. Take them out to eat. Remember their birthday. Remember this. Remember that. Send them a card. You know, what? whatever. The warmth of that really touches people's hearts. And they say to themselves, you know, I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be in a place where love and warmth just surround me. That's where everybody wants to be. But if we don't provide that kind of an atmosphere, it doesn't happen. Jesus was gentle. He wants us to be gentle in telling others about Jesus. Gentleness was natural to Jesus. But it doesn't come naturally to most of us. We have to learn to be gentle. This morning, if you're in the house and you've been... Thinking about making a public profession of your faith in Christ, I hope today would be the day. There's no reason to put it off. Not a reason in the world to put it off. You say, Well, I don't have on green today. I might not fit in. Well, it's okay. It's okay. If there are some of you that have been visiting with us for a period of time and you already know the Lord, but you are not uh, a part of a church family, we want to hold our arms open wide open to you and we want to love you and and bring you into the fold of God's family here. We hope that you'll come and join with us. Be a part of our family. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If the Lord leads, you just slip out and slip forward. Take a stand for Christ today. Let's stand and sing together. i so glad that you're here today. We want you to feel very welcome. I hope that if you don't know somebody that's around you that you would reach out to them in just a moment after we sing our closing song. Make them feel welcome here. We're thrilled to death that they're a part of us today. Brother, lead us as we sing.
3: No other name but the name of Jesus. But the name of the Lord, no other name but the name of Jesus.